Well, you know, the headline today was about the Kardashians was that Kanye used her name in the concert. That was a big headline <laughs> that I saw about them. So I don't think people are caring. Hey, Jack, I know you've got to run in a few minutes because you're only got a short time with us. But I wanted to give you at least a few more minutes to talk about your whole point today was your how no one's paying attention, like all of us, really. That was our point. You know, keep going on that theme if you if you were. And I think that's a question that we all have to sort of tell ourselves in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's that is a right now. What I'm doing is I'm trying to do a lot of sort of podcast mini series that I'm working on mm-hmm. that will tell sort of stories that have sort of a thriller genre, true crime genre, but are about politics that are about what's going on right now. I'm assuming just by everyone listening to this is a progressive. Uh, that there are not enough people that have the same values as us completely to win a majority. And so we have to start talking to people in a way that's just about, you know, we don't have to give up the social issues. We, we need those. But we also need to start talking more about economic issues in a way that it's going to respond to somebody. Somebody in West Virginia is going to hear it and, you know, actually realize that it involves them as well. That the politics is not just about identity. It's also about your family. It's about you being able to make money. It's about you being able to drink clean water. And include these in narratives. You know what I mean? Like we like to give information of like, oh, hey, you know, like this would be better because of this, as opposed to framing it in the story. And the right is really good at doing that, of mm. telling people yeah. a story that is going to fulfill cultural ideas and, you know, their already existing suspicions and then populating that story with their fears. They create narratives in our real world, whether it's like, you know, Rittenhouse or whatever, they're created yep. events. I mean, they're manufactured events, but they sell a story and they sell it in the right tone that they're intending to get it out there. The left has not figured out that not this is all. what they have to do. Part of it is about intentionally saying, okay, here's this kind of, and a large part of it is that Democrats have to appeal to a wide swath of people. You know, African-Americans mm. in you know Chicago don't necessarily vote the same way as Silicon Valley guys in San Francisco. What appeals to them, messaging that appeals to them is different, whereas Republicans really just have to target one angry white dude in the middle of America. Mm. And that message will, you can apply to a lot of different places. But I think that the messaging, midterms being sort of ground zero for all of this stuff, we need to get our messaging in check more. We have things that appeal. One of the things that just doing some surveys and looking at the right a lot, especially the sort of crazy right wing on economic issues, they're not crazy right wingers. It's mm. all cultural stuff that's being sold at them. Mm. And so you can actually get a fair amount of motion if you're just focused on how policy fits into narrative. Exactly. And on the right, they're happy to do that. On the left, we're terrified of it. Yeah, we don't tell those stories yeah. well at all. I mean, we just look at what's going on in Texas and the backslide of all our rights, no matter, you know, we saw today the uh, incredibly weird ruling by the Supreme Court. That's not a good ruling for anyone on the left. I mean, people were celebrating it. I was like, they're basically giving you a tiny slice of law where you can go and to fight this thing. It's not really, it doesn't look like it's protecting rights. And then, of course, we're going to see gay rights go down the same route. And every other right that we really earned in the last 50 years is going to go down with, you know, in the same way as abortion. Those are the kinds of things that can really motivate people. If you can tell them in a good narrative, if you can show them how it's affecting people in their real lives today, that can really impact people. So Jack, yeah, I know you got to run. Mean, um, so I don't want to- Thank you very much. I'll hold you back soon. Probably have to okay. jump off. Well, well I'd like to say, because I'm interested to see if Rachel agrees with me on this as the polling maestro, but I agree with almost everything Jack said there on my podcast a lot and other places where I write for the Daily Beast and, you know, whatever. I talk a lot about our failures of messaging, the fact that we don't talk to people. I mean, human beings have communicated over generations before TV, believe it or not, with stories. We told each other stories. Every good story has a good guy, a bad guy. It should touch people emotionally. The right gets this. Why we can't do it when we We've got trial lawyers and Hollywood on our side who are two of the best groups of storytellers that exist. I don't know. I've never been able to understand it, why that is. But to get to the key point, and I'll see if Rachel agrees with me, 
The only thing I disagree with that Jack was saying there is I don't actually, if you frame it the right way on most cultural issues, the majority actually agrees with us. It's that we don't do that. We, you know, like they want to go against a vaccine mandate. They make it about freedom. You know, do we do that with abortion rights? Do we do that with gay rights? You know, we just are so bad at telling these stories and messaging our issues. Anytime you look at anything in polling them, you know, 60% plus believe in Roe, 90% plus want background checks on all guns. You know, I can go on and on through that kind of stuff, you know, and the last thing I'll say is the other thing they're really good at is they find that one sliver that usually is not even true, right? Partial birth abortion or like that one thing that will scare people. You know, where are we saying to every Republican running for the House or Senate or anything, where are we saying? You want to force women to have their rapist's baby because mm. that's what they're doing. That is part of it. That is great. That is the extreme. Wouldn't it be right. nice if we could just say, hey, you know what? We'll go into Ohio and, you know, we're going to tell them a narrative story about, like, you know, how much better. Like now their their lives are better and their kids' education is better and they've got Build Back better and there's child care shit. And, like, that shit has to get done. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm saying, hey, don't ever do any of that stuff or fund any of that stuff. But, like, it would be nice to think, like, we could win that way when the other side is going to be yelling, they're socialists that want to defund the police. Right. And, you know, actually, it's, it's much worse. I mean, DeSantis is running in a swing state. He's a sitting governor of a major swing state. And his fundraising pitch right now is centered on sending Fossey to jail. <laughs> Dr. Fossey. I mean, I mean, come on, guys. I mean, you but that's think? what's working for them. It's, it's exactly what's working for them. That's what, that's what them. I mean. Like, they, they do that with <laughs> it with lies and what right. makes me so angry is we won't even do it with the truth again mm. we're not lying they, they want to force women to have them to death with fucking flowers right now guys right. okay the fucking country's on fire and i hate i'm just to right the they want to force dude. women as i say they want to force women right. to have their rapist baby like my, they and, think, and it's about narratives and personalizing shit and i mean the republican party like they are fucking beast at making mountains out of molehills right so like crt like democrats yeah. don't think we can make voters care about crumbling democracy and a coup by the whole republican party when the virginia electorate was made to care think about their kids curriculum their right. kids curriculum right. dude and they did right. it because we don't they don't focus on this macro shit with newspapers flashing and graphics, uh, graphs and stats and shit. They sat one nice middle-aged white lady down and mm. she looked real angsty about, you know, her kid reading black porn mm. in high school. Yeah. And she and even showed her hands angsty and you know what I mean? Yeah, she's a good actress. And, yes, the Bitacoff or Strike Pack ad, you know, we can't finance. These are ads that scare the living fucking shit out of women, dude. Like this is like, oh my God, I'm gonna die of cancer because I can't get an abortion. These are ads that are like, oh my God. I'm going to A, be forced to bear my rapist baby, and then they're going to sue me for custody of it. <laughs> no, but why do we have that? Where, where is that Right? I mean, people need, That's what it's I not mean. just that you bring, okay, this is what 22 with Republicans back in control of your shit looks like, and leave it at that. It looks like for you. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, look, I want, I want, to, I want you to run through this. My voice, if you can hear my voice, hey. and you think that in our special circumstance right now, 
which is, you know, we're all going to be living in some totalitarian nightmare in 18 Mm -hmm. months, that this sounds like a more feasible approach than this long, not unimportant, not uninvestable work, work that should continue. I'm just saying we are not doing any of this work right now. There is zero money going to this work and we really need to finance it, you know? I'd like to hear your analysis on this thing you gave us yeah. here, which is, you know, basically this is a Virginia election analysis. And it tells you that McAuliffe lost by a significant amount to, why don't you tell me, you're the expert at this. Why don't you tell me what I'm looking at here? Oh man, you're looking at pain for me, dude. I'll tell mm. you why. Because a year ago I started meeting with people and it was a crazy idea. I mean, nobody was a community college star, you know, single mom. I built a super PAC because I'm like, the only way we can win elections is if we change the system. The system sucks. It's not just the messaging. All that shit is all limbs. The whole tree, the root, the soil must be yanked and it must be designed around understanding how modern voters behave in polarization, how the opponent behaves Mm. and their machine works because it is a fully well-heeled machine that eats us electorally. And understanding that turnout surge and decline is going to be predictable based on in-party, out-party dynamics, negative partisanship and that excitement factor that comes with being out of party power. And you know that, and you're looking at a state like Virginia a year out, I was able to say, look, Virginia is not likely blue. It's a lean blue state that fell out of competition because you had this huge turnout factor with Trump in office. And now that's gone. And now we're going to see what we're going to see when they start pulling Virginia, I said, is 10, 15 point enthusiasm gaps in the data. And lo and behold, when they started polling, what do you see, right? And what that meant, I said, a year out, was that what we're going to see is declines in the margins on turnout of the lower committed people within that Democratic coalition. And some of those people will be Democrats in the voter Some of them are going to be left-leaning independents, and all of them spell trouble. We can find them specifically in the voter file, though, because we can identify who they are through their whole history of the voter file. They're most likely going to be people who entered after 2016, you know, keeping in control for age. And then through that, we can target them through demographic factor, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, let's design a strategy that instead of looking at Northern Virginia as the political center, because college education rates are so good up there, let's build not from the strongest point out, but from the weakest link up. And we have to do that because otherwise you run the risk of shedding so much statewide vote for these different house and district races that you lose statewide. I was less worried about that. And I'll be frank about that. But I was more worried that statewide, like all off, would disperse in a way that they would lose the House of Delegate trifecta that they had. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, of course, election night, oh, look at this, Youngkin converted all these suburbanites. And, you know, I'm sitting there like I'm just waiting and waiting because I'm not a very talented analyst. But I knew that some really good analysts had gotten on the hunt of this conversion persuasion analytic map. And here we have two of the best political scientists in the whole discipline. And they took a look at that Virginia vote and it shows unequivocally exactly what I said was going to happen happened exactly the way that so I said explain this to us because I'm not a statistician and I don't know what I'm looking so at here. I've got a blue okay. regardless of Politico's headline about my work my theory does not say anything about there not being any first wing voters you can call them persuasion voters you can call them conversion voters there are base mobilization voters, turnout voters, right? And you have to win conversion voters. You have to get as many partisan voters to the polls. But the way the electorate behaves America is most people are partisan voters, even independents, right? And they lean 
Republican, they lean Democrat, they predictably vote a certain way. And when you understand that about the electorate, then it becomes really focused on, okay, how do I convert as many of these independents as possible? But I really need to make sure I don't get the electorate. It's 40% Republican, 30% Democrat, or I'm going to lose, right? So you're really focused on that as well. What this is looking at is the statewide like distribution, right? Mm. And you have the total number of votes for Biden and Trump in 2020 on that Y access. Right. And it's looking at how heavy were each of these precincts for Biden or Trump. And it's going to compare that with Youngkin and McAuliffe's vote shares to see like, okay, this district that went really super hot for Trump, did it go super hot for Youngkin or less super hot? And then same story for Biden. But, so Biden and basically he- lost a lot here is what you're saying. They're looking at this thing. <laughs> Like yeah. it was a massive amount. I think that I think the technical what term is, is a shitload. Yeah, shitload. Yeah, what we want to know is, all right, what this is showing is that Biden lost a shit ton of votes in areas where there it's safe blue. And if they had just gotten those Biden voters to come out and vote for McAuliffe in those places, they would have been fine. And then my guess is the analytics for the voter file don't come out for a while for Virginia, but when we get down in that data. My guess is we're going to find out that the predictors for these fall off are pretty obvious. They're going to be those leaning independents because they tend to be more ideological, not less than your average Democrat and younger, but also it's going to be college education. And that's Mm. why I wanted to build a strategy that really hammers So this doesn't augur well for next fall. And I mean, you know, you're a political strategist too. Like what's the messaging issue here that we need to do? Like, it seems pretty desperate. I mean, I hate to sound like that because I don't like to be like that, but it does sound pretty desperate. Well, that's not just message but what this is saying and i just want to do this cliff and then you can riff all you want yeah sure this is showing it's not just the message okay because you can dicker around about this or that and and they definitely shouldn't have been closing taking the rate the bait to talk about crt we can talk about that Mm. on a different show this is saying our strategy so the entire fucking system okay we don't even have a vision (laughs) that people can buy into basically yeah No, I mean, the strategy, we need work on all sorts of things. Uh, but when it comes to the just the messaging part of it, again, not only do we not sort of go on offense, but by not going on offense, then we allow them to get out of what it is they fucked up late. When we're not pinning them to the wall on their shitty economic numbers, later they're able to attack us for inflation and, and they're not looked at as hypocrites, right? Right. So let me give the more recent example. What I've been running around saying is, anybody remember, it was before I was born, to be honest with you, but I think I was a year old, Richard Nixon. Is famous saying by the Democrats, acid, amnesty, and abortion. Mm. Easy to remember, alliterative. And I've just been going around saying COVID, corruption, and Q. Mm. This is what you should be saying the Republican Party is. And yeah. everything should relate to that. Because again, all these parents that were upset and CRT played into that, but they were pissed because their kids weren't in school. Mm. The reason why Youngkin was not held to account for what the Republican Party did is we've never held the Republican Party to account right. for the fact that hundreds of thousands of people died because of them, right? Yeah. And COVID, every- corruption, and coup, actually. Or did you say Q at the end? There. I said Q, but I like Q also. I've gone with both of them. Yeah. Q kind of fits under Q because I look yeah. at Q as kind of yeah, all the yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. shit they do. But it should be something that's easy for people to remember and it should be the narrative and everything they do fits. Every time some asshole like Dr. Oz comes out, you find out that he said 3% of kids dying is acceptable to reopen mm. schools. You're like, see, they're the party of COVID. They want to kill your kid. Yeah. You know, and don't use euphemisms and don't play nice. You know, say it the way the Republicans would say it. For them, they're cool with 3%, hundreds of thousands of kids 
kid's dying. Okay with that. And if we'd driven that point home, then Youngkin would have had to be on defense as opposed to being on offense when it came to issues around COVID in schools. Again, we don't, not only do we not get to pin them to the wall, but we also in the long term allow them to wiggle out of and actually turn things that they've completely screwed up into positives, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's what's so frustrating me. So you asked me for 22, I would start right away on the three things I'm talking about here. There's so much corruption, obviously, around Trump. I mean, we just found out Trump again gets up on a stage with COVID, doesn't tell anybody. Every time they open their mouths on anything to do with Fauci, you want you allow this many people to die. You want this many kids to die from this. You quote them, you go after them on it. Every new stupid statement that Marge Taylor Green ties into that on COVID. Same thing with corruption, which is endemic in the Republican Party. And then, you know, decide, go with coup or cube, but whatever it is, you want to overthrow democracy. You mm-hmm. think JFK Jr. is coming back and is going to be your president because you're fucking nuts. And that should be tied to all of them. Exactly. You know? They should be belittled for it, too. This idea that we should not make them tie them as grossly. I mean, nobody knows these things about them, guys. If you right. go to the grocery store and ask average people about the Republican, hey, what's your impression of Republicans? Aren't they like low taxes? Yeah, That's yeah. all they fucking yep. know. Yep. So like, you know, I'm sorry that people have these like pocket theories about, oh, if I bring Obama in, it's somehow going to make more Republicans vote. Or I don't need signs for my campaign, even though I'm running against an incumbent and nobody knows who the fuck I am. Well, we're not so even running. Like- you know, the Democrats, <laughs> I haven't even got candidates in a lot of these districts, right? I mean, no have candidates in every... That's a whole nother yeah. problem, yes. By the way, just before we leave the numbers thing, I think this is an important thing that's going to come around this next few days, if it's not there already, is that we're going to be at this number of dead yeah. people, Americans who have died from COVID. Yeah. And it's going to be really interesting who wears that number, because I guarantee you the Republicans are going to find a way to make it a Biden issue, when in fact, it really is not a Biden issue. Yeah, it's not a guarantee. Ronna McDaniel, GOP mm. chair, puts that shit out every day. She'll put out simultaneously on her thread, she'll put mm. out shit that blames Biden for perpetuating and not curing the pandemic and then yep. the next tweet will be against the vaccine mandate. Yeah. Oh, no, they oh, feel yeah. like they've that's, all, that's, that's, that's They've all done that. They blamed Biden. Yeah. So he was going to solve this and he failed and whatever. And again, if along the way, every time one of them did what DeSantis does and Abbott does and all these all these idiots do, if every crazy state legislator who says some stupid thing about, you know, Jesus didn't wear a mask, so I shouldn't wear a mask too. Again, how you frame it, you don't attack religion. You just point out that, well, I don't think Jesus would want our children to die. I mean, we don't do that. We don't remind people of these things they say every day. One of their guys, another one of them, just who was a conservative, you know, anti-masker, I think he was on the Board of Elections who wanted to reject the votes in one of the counties in Michigan. He just died of COVID. Like, yep, I saw that today. As Rachel's saying, nobody knows you go to a grocery store because we don't drive that message every day about. So these guys are not going to do it. I mean, you know, we talk about that. We're not them, actually. We're not sitting in these Democratic Party headquarters determining this. And yet it is our future and it is our country and we're not doing anything about it. So no, here's the thing, though. I'm pretty sure there's like nobody doing that. So why, how do we, the people, actually get to do this kind of stuff? Because, you know, ultimately it is a democracy and we can impact these things. We have means, we have smart people like you guys. How do we organize in a way that gets a different message up there? Or is that we just dreaming in technicolor? external infrastructure that's mm-hmm. basically a private sector version of, you know, electioneering. And we do it our fucking selves, right? I mean, isn't that the point? Brian's like, your other guest was Brian. I'm so terrible. At Jack, names, Jack, right? Brian. Jack, Jack Brian. Jack Brian. Jack Brian. Yeah. He's got yeah. two first names. I mean, <laughs> he's so you don't have to feel bad on that one. I've said it a million times. Brian, Jack, whatever, dude. Yeah. No, I was thinking that. I think there's a few people in the world, myself included, maybe Cliff, and you would fall into this category, who are like, hey, I can see this shit in plain sight. 
And I want reaction and action and a counter offense launched. And I want it now, right? And given the complete, you know, you have to keep in mind, Jamie's a reformer, man. I mean, I don't know that you could put anybody different in the DNC and hope for anything better. I mean, I think he's doing pretty good in there. He runs a bureaucracy. It's an organization, an institution. It's not an electioneering strategy shop, okay? There's no electioneering strategy shop, per se, in the Democratic Party. When I said that the two parties have a separate system, I mean it. From the very top to the very bottom, it's going to get all explained in this doc that's coming out. Why our system and our design is our biggest obstacle. It's our only hope is to bypass it for the temp aid and try to build a shield. I literally call it the strike packs shield strategy in these competitive races. Set the tone, right? Someone's got to do the big ball swinging, brand busting narrative setting shit because otherwise the narrative is going to be whatever is the headline and the headline is going to be inflation or Ukraine or whatever the, you know, and, and it's done. Whatever the right done. wants to push. Yeah. yeah. It'll be right. Benghazi again, maybe just because they miss it. You know, they'll bring it yeah. back. So like, here's what I'm saying is we know the stakes, the stakes are democracy or not. Right. And it is true that like Zeb, this future that you paint, this devastatic dystopian future, that is our future, but we actually are not in it yet. We will not be in it until the day after the November 22nd, 22 elections. And until that moment, I refuse to yield. So I'm doing a moonshot. We've built my two teammates and I, Lori Spivak, and my um, teammates, Ashley and Lori. We've built this framework. We have a war machine built. It is ready to go. It is going to explain exactly what we can do that's tangible and quick, given our constraints. It operates with the system that we have in place. As part of the strategic understanding, Mm. it operates with how the opposition operates as part of this strategic understanding. It has never been tried before. Yes, it's totally different. It is not something that has ever been tried before. That is why I'm convinced we must try it. Because we know for sure if we do not try something different. I mean, the one thing we do have on our side is is that we have so many people that are motivated. I mean, it does feel to me like a majority of people are more motivated to keep democracy and our anti-autocracy for many obvious reasons, but they're there. There's lots of people out there willing to put up the fight, Mm -hmm. even now, five years later after we had to endure it. So it's about getting those people motivated. If I can say anything positive about it, you know, the one thing, obviously, Rachel's working on this. I'm putting together a large, it'll probably be a super PAC-like organization. I've got a large email list. and I've got sort of things, you know, those of us out there these days, we we can raise large amounts of money mm-hmm. through email, through you know other ways online in small donations for people who care. There are some donors who get it that are out there. The, the inside game hasn't, you know, it works for us here and there. There's a lot of problems with it. And if enough of us are out there, you know, and pushing this and saying at the same time, yeah, we have to hold them accountable for the coup and go at them. You know, there is hope. I'm not sitting here saying, oh, my God, you know, hey, hallelujah, we're going to be fine. Trust me. No, I'm quite concerned, very worried that we're headed in a very bad direction to a very bad place. But I'm just saying, at least there's a way to do this. And enough people I know, because I talk to political people, as Rachel does, a lot of people are motivated to go out there and push a harder message and be smarter strategically. So I'm hoping. I've got a, I've got a TV ready, network I'll throw in there. We're ready to fire some fucking guns, dude. Yeah. yeah I think <laughs> there so. you, go. you know, that's a good place to end it because it's about the only uh, positive way we can do that, right? Is just think that there is a plan and that uh, we'll get there. Um, thank you, guys for being here tonight. I want to let you guys have the opportunity to tell everyone where they can find you. Cliff Schechter, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit more about your Twitter handle and everything else we need to know sure. about your, well, your, Twitter, your empire. The empire striking back. You can find me at Cliff Schechter on Twitter. Probably 
of all social media, most of which I hate, is where I'm the most active because Twitter is Twitter. So just at Cliff Schechter, I've got a podcast I do with John Aravosis. We talk a lot about these issues. There he is, Unprecedented Podcast. So it's just Patreon slash Unprecedented Podcast. You know, my firm, Blue Amp Strategies. We did some ads for Biden last time around. We've done them for numerous groups and also public relations. I like to think we're, we're pretty good at that. So there you go. You can find me any of those spots. Okay, that's uh, Cliff Schechter. That's S-C-H-E-C-T-E-R, as I found out the hard way when I misspelled it the first we, time. We dropped the second H off on the boat over. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I should, <laughs> you should have sent me a memo. I didn't get it, but they but it's all that's good. What, it looks fine in my final version of the of the poster. And uh, Rachel Bittercoffer, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you and your, your pack? Yeah, and my name, which is just Bittercoffer, which is so much easier than Cliff's <laughs> name. I'm not going to spell that one. I don't know. I'm actually with, on this panel. I feel you know actually almost pretty like Smith like. You know. <laughs> 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 no, please find me. I mean, I would really like you to find me on StrikePack.com or at Blue Page, especially. I'd like you to come watch some of the eight ads that we've created that show how to take it to the metal against the GOP and on Twitter at Rachel Bittercoffer and the Twitter account at Strike Pack. Yep. Okay, so at Rachel Bittercoffer, it's uh, spelled B-I-T-E-C-O-F-E-R. And then uh, Strike Pack is Strike, S-T-R-I-K-E, Pack. All right, there. Spelling done for the day. You can find Narrative <laughs> at narrative.org. You could also support our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash narrative. And that's the after show for this week. Thank you guys for being here. It's really exciting to have new voices on the show. It's so awesome. And you guys are terrific. So hopefully I'll have you back on the show. I would never to watch the collapse of democracy with anybody else. Oh, well, that's fantastic. Uh, that's, I, I feel good about it. You're saying that. Too. No, seriously, yeah. Yeah, this is a pleasure. Thank you yeah. for having me. It's great to have you on. We'll hopefully have you on again and uh, maybe we'll try save democracy while we're at it. So good night, everybody. Yeah. Thank you for being here and have a great weekend. Narrative is made possible by viewers like you. Join today and support truly independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. That's patreon.com forward slash narrative.